series called Questions. And uh, basically what we've been talking about is the fact that we all have questions for God, right? And maybe we meet people at work that have questions for God. And maybe even if you've been a Christian for a long, long time, maybe a question will come into your mind. Like, you know, yeah, I've always had a problem with that. Or I've always, you know, that's always bothered me about the Bible. Or that's always bothered me about this. And, and, and what we've been talking about is the fact that God isn't uh, frustrated by those questions. He's not uh, thrown off course by those questions. He, he's not angered by them. He doesn't, he's not waiting for the next, you know, one more question out of you and I'm, you know, you're, you're going to total your car, you know. He, he's not doing all that. However, he does have questions for us and he puts them in the Bible. And so what we've been talking about over the last few weeks is that if we would just honestly answer these questions, if we'd honest, I mean, some of the questions we've been talking about is, um, you know, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And we, we'd honestly, like, make that, make creation like a personal deal. Like, yeah, okay, what, what, what do I believe about that? And where does God fit in and all that? And where do I fit in in that? Or, or um, um, we asked the question of, who do you say that I am? Jesus was asking his disciples. And, and we, we started to really ask ourselves that question. Who do I really think Jesus is? I might have all these theories of this and that. It might be someone for you and someone for you. But who do I say that I am? And, and uh, we asked, talked last week about, God said, was my arm too short that I couldn't save? Like, was it that I, that I couldn't save you? And then we asked ourselves a question, well, if God could rescue us and he didn't, why? And, and what we've been talking about is that if we would ask ourselves these questions and we would wrestle with these questions, maybe we might find the answers that we have when we ask God some questions. And so this week, uh, we're going to talk about uh, a question that Jesus asks us that is a rhetorical question. We know the answer, which rhetorical questions are great, except he already knows the answer and we kind of already know the answer. But then Jesus goes on to give us a solution. Yes, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is embedded in the question. But then he goes on to explain it. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. When um, Back before I became a Christian, I was in business in import-export. You guys probably already know that. But um, I used to travel a lot, uh, but not glamorous travel. Like, not to great, you know, icons, you know, cities, and like, I've not Barcelona or anything like that. I would travel a lot to Oakland from uh, Los Angeles, which is, which is not, not a step up. Um, and... <laughs> And I did a lot. We had a warehouse up there and I'd fly out there and, and, and my record, my record was leaving my home, stopping off at the bank, parking my car and being in my seat on the plane in 18 minutes. Now I was flying out of, of Long Beach and I lived in Lakewood, so I was closer. But 18 minutes from the time I left my house, stopped off at the bank, parked my car and went, now, that was prior to 9-11, right? Because now you can't even, I mean, you can't even say your name in 18 minutes. Is it, you know, TSA's got you. You're just like, ah, oh, you know. So, um, so 9-11 happened, and then um, I kind of stopped traveling because it was just a hassle, and we couldn't, we couldn't get up there very fast. So, but we decided to go take a family vacation to uh, Puget Sound, and we had to fly into Seattle. 
So we got to the airport and we got in line an hour and 15 minutes before our plane departed. And it just so happened that uh, LAX was on, I don't know what they call it, high alert or DEFCON 5 or whatever the, like they call it, you know, they call it different stuff now, you know, code red or whatever the thing. And at this time I had an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old and a three-year-old and we're standing in line. Now I am a I my, I'm a I'm a pastor. I'm a very patient, godly man. <laughs> right? But when you stick me that's not true. When you stick me with an eight year old, a seven year old, and a five year old, and I'm watching the clock and this line is not going anywhere. And the and the, the time the minute hand is going about the same speed as the second hand's supposed to be going because you're just so stressed out. I started worrying. I started getting all frustrated. I'm, and and Lisa, who's like the bastion of 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 goodwill, is like, well, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll make it. We'll make it. I'm like, you don't, you don't, you don't even know how late we're gonna be. You know, we should start walking now. We'll get there before we get there if we get on the plane. And so time starts going, time starts going. We, get, we start getting, it's like 10 minutes before our plane, uh, before they close it down. And one TSA agent, if you're a TSA agent, I'm not, this was back then when they didn't know what they were doing. Now it's unbelievable. Um, but they, uh, they go, hey, if your plane's about ready to depart, come to the front of the line. And I'm like, I qualify for that. So, you know, you're telling the kids, and I don't know if you guys have ever gone through this, but when you're ready to go and you're trying to tell your kids, you're trying to get them to understand. And they're like, well, why do we have to? You just go crazy. So I'm, I'm worried. My heart's pounding. We get there. We miss our flight. And yeah, yeah. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, no, that wasn't the point of the story. Okay, so we miss the flight. We go to the, the counter and I'm, I'm just so gracious to the people behind the counter. Um, and, and I just start thinking, you know what? Our vacation's ruined. Because yeah, now, who knows when the next flight's going to be. I got to pack the kids back up, get them back in the car, get them back home. So we, we, we get to the counter and they're like, oh, you know, good news. There's a flight tomorrow in the evening, you know. And I'm like, that is not good news. So I'm just thinking two days of my vacation done, all this kind of stuff. I'm just like, you know, who knows if we're going to be able to get the rental car. Just worry, 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 worry. Well, those things happen all the time, don't they? I mean, doesn't it seem like no matter how well you plan, no matter what you do, no matter how well you think you have it figured out that these things hit you? Like, like, like you got the perfect job and then there's like a department meeting and they say, look, in the next three months, we're going to have to start laying people off. And you're like, oh, if I don't have this job, and, and, and you just start that process. Or, 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 you, or you find out, you know, you, you go to the doctor for a routine checkup and they go, hey, uh, you need to come back for some more tests. We're a little concerned. And you're like, cool, like tomorrow? Well, we got something opened up in two months. Two I thought you said you were concerned. Well, we are. That's why it's not six months, you know. And you've got to live with that. You know what I mean? Or, or you find out your 18-year-old son has found his soulmate. And he's like, oh, she's 36, has three kids. And when, when she's out of parole, it's gonna, we, can, we can travel the country, you know. 
Like all, all these things where, where life is going fine and then something hits. Well, Jesus, the question we have this morning kind of hits us at those spots. And, and Jesus actually knows about this and he talks about this. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. And he starts off in verse 24. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can. There should be a Bible in, in a chair around you somewhere if you'd like to read the Bible in front of you, or if not, the verses will be behind me if you'd like to read it that way. Matthew six twenty-four. Jesus starts out. He says, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If you have a New American Standard Version, it says mammon. It's the only God that Jesus names. Now what, what Jesus is doing here is he is hitting us at the core of where a lot of our worry stems from. I mean, c- kind of, we, we tend to think, we tend to believe that if we had enough money, probably 90 to 95 percent of our other issues would kind of be done right i I don't know if you feel that way but it just seems to me that that we money is kind of that thing like if that's figured out if that's all under control then yeah i think i i think we'll be in pretty good shape the kids go to college uh, whatever happens to us physically we got money for that you know we don't have to worry about what we're gonna what we're gonna eat what we're gonna wear right well jesus knows about this and so he picks this god and money and says "Uh uh-uh Not even money can be your God. And he goes on and he says this statement, which just is crazy. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, that is an easy statement to say. Probably all of us would agree like, yeah, you know what? We shouldn't be worried about stuff like that. And yet when it hits, when the flight gets canceled or you miss it or that you you bomb that job interview or you're trying to make the team in sports and, and, and you'd had a bad, you had a bad practice and they're going to be posting the names in a week. It's hard to just go, oh, I'm not supposed to worry. Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate that. Fortunately, Jesus goes on. And, and one of the things that he knows, that, that God knows, is that worry cripples you. And, and again, we've probably already experienced that in our lives by now, is that worry, it, it just, it, you can't think straight, you're, you're breathing hard, everything, you know, your emotions, Lisa and I were talking about it this week, it's like worry, just like, and if you're a doctor, you can tell me what it is that it fires, but it's just like chemical, bam, and you just can't, it feels like, how do you control that? How do you control all these chemicals firing? So, uh, as a matter of fact, Jesus says this. He's talking about kind of sowing the word. And, and it's kind of like when you hear the gospel or when you hear truth from the scripture, it falls on all sorts of different kinds of people. And we've all been this person sometime in our life, and you might be this a certain person now, and all of a sudden you're, 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 you're not that person. And some of it's like the rocky soil. And, and that's just a person who's like, ah, I'm not listening to any of your stuff. And that just gets trampled and it, and it dies. So some is um, uh, the good soil, and that's just like, man, you just receive the truth of God, and your life is just flourishing. But he, he talks about this, this, this soil that has weeds and thorns in it. And he says, some of the seed falls on that. And, and it's, he says this, the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke that word. 
And it doesn't die. Jesus doesn't say, and it dies. He says, it becomes unfruitful, unproductive. And and so Jesus knows that worry, anxiety, all those things make us unproductive. It doesn't work, and yet we struggle with it. And so he goes on and uh, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or uh, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Now, not really. <laughs> I mean, what's more important than food? You got to eat, right? You got to be clothed. What, what is Jesus saying? See, Jesus is kind of hitting us on something that's difficult for us as Americans because most of us don't go without food. Some of us do on occasion. Times get hard and all that. But ultimately, we're not starved. We're not trying to figure out, oh, man, I'm done. And most of us aren't worried about clothes. We can pretty much find clothes. What Jesus is saying is, look, let's just take it to the root, like the most important issues. I don't even want you worrying about those. And watch what he uses as an example. He says, look at the birds of the air. Remember a couple weeks ago, we were talking about creation and we were talking about the question, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And we were saying, sometimes we look so much for miracles, we miss the whole miracle of creation right before our eyes. This is what Jesus is tapping into. He says, God, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not uh, sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asks this question. This isn't even the question we're going to ask this morning. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus is beginning to build on something. So first he says, look, you can't serve God and money. You're going to hate one and love the other or love the one and hate the other. He says, "Don't, don't worry about your life. Not even when it comes down to where you're worried about your next meal. I don't even want you worried about that. Or how you're going to be clothed. I don't even want you worried about that. He starts bringing in this terminology of your heavenly father, your heavenly father. And then he asks the question that we have for this morning. It's a rhetorical question. The answer is embedded in the question. He says this, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Like what? Think, think of what Jesus is saying. Let's say you've been diagnosed with some disease right now and you've got an hour to live. That's how serious your problem is. Jesus says, worrying ain't going to give you another hour. It's not going to help. Worrying doesn't help. That's the answer embedded. He says, which one of you? It's... it's He wasn't expecting someone to go, oh, Jesus, I can do that. I got your hour. Right? It's a rhetorical question. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. So what do you do? (laughs) If worrying doesn't help, and we have stuff that hits us every day, and we're supposed to worry about how in the world are we supposed to to get past this? Well, it's it's a twofold thing. Let's keep going in the scriptures. And why do you worry about clothes? Watch what he does. He goes back to creation again. See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? You of, oh, you of little faith? Now watch. So do not worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Now listen, here's the key. The first key of it. And your heavenly father knows. If you have your own Bible, not one in the pew and right, the chair in front of you, <laughs> just circle that word in there, knows, or underline it or put a star. The first key to get over worry is to understand that your heavenly father knows. And so we're going to do this. We, we hardly ever do this, but we're going to do it this you're going to repeat after me. Everybody is going to say, my heavenly father knows. Okay, ready? Go. My heavenly father knows. Okay, now I want you just to think. If there's anything you're thinking about right now, anything that you're worried about, kids going to college, husband going to college, whatever the thing is, my heavenly father knows. Just say it one more time. My heavenly father knows. See, see, for worry... For me, I, I, I've put too much on myself. Like if, if I don't, if I don't do something, does he even understand? Did he know how much I love this job and now it's, it looks like it's going? Does he know that I'm tired of being lonely? Does he know? Your heavenly father knows. And what's the indication that he knows? Look around. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at creation. Look at what, what, what he's designed. Your heavenly father knows. And so the second part of this is understanding once our heavenly father knows, and I, my prayer and my blessing at the end of the service is, is going to be this, that, that you would sometime during this week, because things happen, and this week something's going to happen. It just, th- th- things happen. That, that when it hits... The first thing that will come to your mind will be the Holy Spirit speaking to you going, your Heavenly Father knows. He knows this is going on. He's gotcha. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. They're not worried. You're like, but I know, but they don't have a mortgage. Right? (laughs) I mean, what do they know? A stupid bird? I hit a bird with my car the other day. Right? I'm like, what kind of example is that? Your Heavenly Father The sovereign God who created all those things knows exactly what you're going through. That's the first part. And so so Jesus sets us up with this question. Well, don't worry about your life. Who can add a single hour to his life? And you're going, okay, fine. I get it, Jesus. That's great. He says, listen, your heavenly father knows what you're going through. Now, the the other side is, is, is our job. Instead of worrying, and we're going to go into a kind of a famous section of Scripture. And, and sometimes if you've been a Christian for a long time, when you get into a famous section of Scripture, it, because you know it, you go right past it because you think you know it. I want us to slow down. Okay? Um, before we get there, I want to tell you what happened. Uh, so, so we got on the flight for the next, the next night, right? And, uh, and um, I, was just, I was just ticked. I, and so we got in the car and, um, you know, we're driving back and I don't, I don't know what the drive was like, um, for Lisa. 
Um, but uh, I was just like, man, you know, what in the world? You know, I work, I most likely knowing my job back then, I worked late, 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 late into the night to make sure all my stuff was done on my desk so I could go on vacation. You ever done that? You work like stinking 100 hours for two weeks just so you can <laughs> go on vacation, right? And so we, we drive home and I open the front door and like a huge wave, I mean, it almost knocked me back. This wave of natural gas just like hits me. And I mean, it was strong. So I, I like keep the door open and I, I tell everyone to move away from the house. Because you know, I've seen a lot of movies and I know, <laughs> I know what goes down, okay? And so um, I know exactly what was, you know, I, I did one of those slow motion like, you know, and then nothing happened. She's like, why are you tackling me? No. Um, no. So I, I sneak around. The, well, I don't sneak around. I just get around. Well, actually, I did sneak around. I was totally scared to death. And I shut off the gas. And we wait. We wait. You know, and then I, I get, you know, I, I get close to how they smell. And then I open one of the windows and then get back out again. Cause I, I, let me tell you, I am not my personality, my strengths. I could never be a fireman. I'm way too scared. I, I just... I don't rush into those buildings. I, I stay, yeah, I, I stay away. Uh, and so finally, all, you know, the ga- it, it all kind of, now, now listen. Uh, how, how did I look at having my flight canceled with that piece of information? <laughs> all of a sudden, cancel all my, I mean, we should have longer lines at the airport. Right? I mean, lives are saved. Thank you, TSA. You know, don't make it faster. Make it slower, right? Because I I got information. Guess what? That my heavenly father already knew. The The only thing that happened was he let me in on what was happening in his kingdom. He, 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 he graciously said, look, you're immature and you lack faith. And here's how I'm going to show you. Right? And so our, our contractor is so, was so cool. Um, I said, hey, the, you know, we came home and there's this guy. Oh, oh, yeah, I was putting in two gas lines. And I hooked the one up and got everything done. And then I, I just turned on the gas and I forgot to cap off the other one. Which is, which is frowned upon in construction. Uh, <laughs> come to find out you know um but he was really cool about it and uh and we didn't he's just a real nice guy um but he he almost blew up our house uh but guess who saved us god did god did now let me show you because this is kind of the attitude that jesus has as he's as he's talking about this and so he goes and he says this okay so don't worry don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what's going to clothe you. Don't worry about any of that kind of stuff. Who, who can add an, even an hour to their life? I mean, you consider your whole life. Who can even add an hour by worrying? It doesn't do any good. Then he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, worry has to be replaced by something or you're just going to gravitate towards worry. It, it, 
That's me. I, I, I can tell myself, well, I'm just not going to worry about that. I'm just not going to worry about that. And, and it'll go for a while. Sometimes if I'm really strong, it'll go a half an hour. And then finally it kind of goes back to, oh, you know, yeah. But there, there has to be something that replaces that. And Jesus gives us the key. He, he kind of sets us up. You can't worry about food. You can't worry about this. Don't worry about life. Instead, but seek first his kingdom. I don't, I don't know if you ever uh, used to play hide and seek growing up. I grew up in a, in a house in New Jersey that was really big. And um, we, my dad worked on Wall Street. And, and at, for a time, we made a lot of money. And then he became an alcoholic and lost his jobs and stuff. So we lost that house. But it was huge. And it was old. It was like built in the 1800s. And I don't know the style. My mom, my mom remembers all that stuff. Um, but we used to play hide and seek in that house. And there were tons of places to hide. Ton, we had a basement. We had all these types of things. And, and, and you know that feeling when you play hide and go seek? Okay, I'm totally going on a tangent right now. But yesterday we had a, yesterday we had a, um, a, a wedding. And we were back with the groomsmen. And I said, oh, it's, it, we're hidden back in behind there. And I said, it's kind of like we're playing hide and seek. And the groom said, now I have to pee. And we started talking. And I, we started talking like when you played hide and go seek and you'd go to hide, didn't you feel like you had to pee right when you hid? Am I the only one who felt that? Because we all felt that. It, there's something about hiding and there's something about hide and seek that's just, I don't know, it just gets you all amped up. And if you're seeking, you, try, you either cheat. There's two ways to cheat. One is you do one of these where you can, like, I can still see, you know, through there. And I, I look at the direction everyone's going. Or you speed up the count. So you're, like, real slow as they're close to you. One, two, and then as they kind of get out of earshot, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then, then, you're, then you're, you're off to go find them. This is the attitude of seeking first the kingdom of God. You're, you're on high alert. I, I, when you play hide and go seek, you're You're quiet. You're listening for any giggles. You're, you're just kind of listening to anyone kind of rustling anything. You're looking. If you even see a shoelace out from under the couch, you're like, nailed him right there. And then you try to pretend you don't know because if you alert them, then they can run back to base. So you're like, ah, wonder where everybody is, you know. And then you pounce on them. Listen, this is the idea in the Greek of what? Jesus is talking about you're seeking first the kingdom with the expectation that you're going to find it. That's the idea of that word. It's not just, oh, I'll open my Bible, but it's like, God, you're on high alert. What is going on here? What do you want me to learn? Your ears are up. You're sneaking around. Is that God? What is that? You're talking to people. What, what, you know, could that be the Holy Spirit talking to me? Instead of worrying about it, we begin to just seek first the kingdom of God. We begin to just kind of go after it and say, what could be happening? Why would I lose my job? Why, what, 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 what does God want to teach me here? And then he goes on and he says, oh yeah, and all those things, yeah, they'll be added to you as well. Yeah, okay. The, the operative, the thing that Jesus is trying to get, seek first the kingdom. Don't, make a phone call don't start chatting with your girlfriends or your buddies uh i almost said boyfriends but yeah that's weird your bras um i didn't i didn't go any anywhere i wanted to 
as the worship. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, and so he says, he says, look, seek first his kingdom is righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Now listen, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I just thank Jesus for saying that. That my expectation shouldn't be that I'm going to go day after day after day without any problems. Jesus is just like, just live for a little while. You'll see. Oh, of course that was going to happen. Why, why should you be any more special than anyone else? But when it happens, what's going to make you special is you seeking first the kingdom. To go and say, God, I don't know what. Now watch. We're going to flip from here and we're going to uh, really quickly go to Philippians. And if you are... Um, if you want to kind of meditate on a section of scripture, again, this is a f- another famous section of scripture. If you, want to, if you want to meditate on a section of scripture today, or this week, meditate on that. Philippians chapter four. Okay, starting in verse four. This goes along. How do I actually seek first the kingdom of God? Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is the first part. Man, how, that's hard. Paul knows it's hard. So he says, I will say it again. <laughs> it's like, rejoice in the Lord always. And, oh, Paul, that I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So he says, the Lord is near. So he, he's kind of getting this idea that let, let your gentleness be evident to all. God is right there near you. Your heavenly Father knows. We're going to say it one more time. Now we're going to personalize it. My heavenly Father. My exactly. He says, the Lord is near. And then he says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay. But in everything, by prayer and petition. You know why I love that word petition? If you have a New American Standard, it says supplication. If you just talk normal, it's asking, okay? Because Jesus doesn't just say ignore it. Ignore what you want. Oh, you want that job? Just ignore it. It's not important. These things aren't important. You should be more worried about godly things. He says, no, no, no. Just seek first the kingdom. And then Paul's saying, ask God about it. God, I really, really, really love my job. I really don't want to lose my job. And there's layoffs happening. Please don't let me lose my job. Jesus modeled this, right? He says, uh, he says, you know, God, not, uh, please don't, please let this cup pass before me. I don't really want to die this death. But in the process of speaking with his heavenly father, something happens to Jesus where he says, but not my will, but your will be done. Do you know what happened to him? Exactly what this next verse says. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, doesn't make any sense at all that you have peace in that situation, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This, this peace of God, which doesn't make any sense. See, that's what was happening to Jesus in the garden. He was living out this verse. Right? It said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And so Jesus comes and he says, God, I did, please be sweating blood. He said, please, God, I did, please let this pa- cup pass before me. I, I don't want to go through this. And what happens? But the peace of his heavenly father, which transcends all comprehension, began to guard his heart and his mind. 
And he goes, but not my will, but yours be done. And all of a sudden, he's calm. He's ready to go. Now, it's really cool as the worship team comes back up. What's really cool is this word guard. Because I, I want you to see this in a different light. If we, if we get all fancy and we go to the Greek of this word guard, what do we normally think as guarding our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus? We think of it as, this is my mind and this is my heart and no one's allowed in. Right? Dude, go, go, please guard my heart and mind. I don't want any bad thoughts coming in. Oh God, please guard. But th- that's not, when you look at the way this word is used, Essentially, the definition is to post a sentry on every exit to keep the city from being attacked and to keep inhabitants from fleeing. What happens when we pray is that we look over the wall of our city, of our heart and our mind, and we go, oh, we look at that army that's besieging us and we go, oh, heck no, Uh uh-uh. I'm out of here. There is no way we're defending against that. There is no way. I'm gone. And so what happens is we try to just, we try to med- oh God, I'm going to deal with it myself. This, they, don't, they don't know what they're doing. I got to get out of here. I got to hide. I got to do it. The peace of God will guard your heart. So you'll be tempted to step out of the city and then we go, hey, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. I just, I don't, get back in the city. Get back in there. I got it. We got it. You just go back inside. That is what it's like to have God guard your heart and mind. All of a sudden, you're, you, you, want, you want something, you, the finances are, and you're tempted. I'm out of here. I got I to gotta make it happen myself. And God says, oh, get back in there. I, I got it. I, 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 I can do it. Go back inside. Rest in what I've provided for you. 